Hello and welcome to the Radical Imperfectionist Podcast, a show where together we work to embrace who we are, to grow into our own allies, and to become a source of empowerment for ourselves and those around us. Hello everyone, I hope you're having a wonderful week so far. This is Holly Ann Casper, the Radical Imperfectionist, and this is my second podcast episode after the intro, um, but I actually am re-recording it because the sound quality was so poor that it was really hard to hear my voice over the background music, and so I just wanted to re-record it for that, even though I originally wanted to leave the original recording intact in the, in the sake of imperfection, but I just want you to be able to get the message more clearly. So I'm re-recording and I hope I can keep the message intact well. But I'm just really grateful to have this platform to connect with all of you. And I wanted to mention my style because I really just write in a way that feels authentic to me. It's directed at uh, to people individually. And I often will jump around a bit as I would in a conversation. I'm not really concerned with the language arts and writing in a way that's acceptable to maybe a teacher. I call my friends sunshine and other endearing terms and that's organically because it's just a way that I show how I feel. It's a part of me and you'll get used to it, I promise. I just want to speak to you. So that's how I'll write and speak. And if you find it your jam and engaging, fantastic. Keep listening and if not, no worries. So most of what I write about comes down to what I consider to be the most fun foundational need that we have as humans, which allows us to thrive. This is the need for real unconditional love and acceptance. This is the basis for all of this path and healing. For so long, I tried to make love and acceptance a part of my life through force, not through actually doing the work on myself. I didn't realize that this love and acceptance are only that this love and acceptance are only able to get in. It's only possible to be felt if my thoughts are actually aligned with them, if I actually believe it. So unless we're able to shift our thinking and our beliefs, we'll never really actually love or accept ourselves. And unless we do this for ourselves, we will never be able to do this for others. Uh, you might already know this, but I'm a mother of two young boys who are now five and seven and a half. And aside from being a wife and best friend to my amazing husband, being their mother has been the most cherished role in my life so far. It has equally been the hardest role by far. Those of you that aren't parents hold on with me as this isn't just about parenting. This is about being, maybe we can call it peopling. <laughs> I think we all go through this in different ways and areas of life. It's not about the role's name, it's about the thoughts and the process. When I was about to have my first son, I thought I knew everything I found most important that I wanted to do with him from this perfectionist standpoint. I knew he would eat healthy, or so I thought. I wanted to homeschool. I would do not do all the things that I thought um, were bad parenting. Of course, I was going to be a health coach that would help other mothers to have healthy pregnancies and then healthy families thereafter. These expectations and ideas were great in one way because they forced me to take that leap into parenting, <laughs> to be brave and to study nutrition and learn a little bit more about what I thought health was. But as I later realized, 
I placed them on myself as burdens, and I constantly judged and measured myself to these impossible standards. I just had to perfect this mission or I would not succeed. And if I didn't succeed, I was a failure and not enough. That's what I thought. That was my way of thinking. Now we all have learned ways of being. We make decisions along the way without conscious awareness of these decisions. They're happening in our brains. Or maybe we do know of these decisions, but we're unaware often of the underlying beliefs and thoughts that are tied to the decision that are helping make that decision happen. Not realizing that these beliefs and these thoughts that we have are creating patterns of decisions. And they're there from our brain in order to protect us. Our brain is actually trying to protect us, but they often work against us. Over years and in many ways, I felt so incredibly broken as a parent. I felt incapable and I had anger and shame because I didn't understand why I knew how I wanted to parent, but why I couldn't just be and do those thing, things that way. I judged myself on falling short to be this perfect example for health for other women, while I could barely keep from feeling completely useless and exhausted. On the brink of a breakdown, really, it felt like. I felt like being a mother just broke me, and I was resentful that I couldn't enjoy it. But I also, at the same time, felt deep shame for these feelings, which I felt weren't fair to my children or my husband. And I saw them as myself being ungrateful for my blessed life. I was angry that I was so tired. I was jealous of other mothers who just seemed to know what they were doing. Parenting never came naturally to me. It was so freaking hard, people. I didn't sleep. My, my baby didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. I couldn't stop him from crying. I felt incapable of being present with him. I couldn't prevent his bumps and bruises. The power struggles still happened. He didn't want to eat the healthy food. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It felt like one thing after another. I loved him with all of my heart, but only to the extent that was actually possible for me to love him because I felt unlovable myself. I was ashamed with how hard this was for me. This had been my dream and my passion. I felt just weak and incredibly insecure. And then a whole world of judgment opened up. Other moms, oh my goodness, seriously, the whole world of being judged in my world as a mom. And then by other moms, I had felt like I wasn't enough in many areas of my life for so much of my life. But I was great at focusing on the positive um, to try to perfectionist my way to worthiness and greatness. I had this incredible little bundle of joy and yet just getting up each day in the morning and being connected to him was so hard. The narrative in my head of my failure got louder and louder as I met mom after mom in real life or maybe just seeing them on Facebook and I began to judge myself based on her. I would make assumptions of what they thought of me based on what my narrator or the voice that was running inside my head of thoughts said to me in my own head. Then I would make decisions on how to fix that image that I thought I was presenting so that nobody could possibly think bad of me. God forbid. I was overwhelmed. 
It was a full-time job just simmering in these constant thoughts. I had always been so incredibly independent, earning a living and providing for myself. I'd always been able to control enough and now I was no longer earning financially and I had a never-ending narrative in my head giving me no breaks. I had no idea why it was so hard and all of the unchecked thoughts poured in creating more data for my enemy narrative to run amok inside. As I was beginning to lose hope, we finally started to sleep. Oh my goodness. My son was 18 months old and I finally began to sleep more than an hour and a half at a time. He began sleeping all night and I got time with my husband and I got rest and I thought, awesome, now I can begin again to take control, to live. I felt this new vigor. I'd wanted more children, always had, and since it took me a while to conceive my first son, this is a totally different story, we just tried and my cycles came back. Once they came back and the first month we tried, my second cycle I got pregnant, bam, like that and I was knocked down again. No energy, nausea, food aversions. I was not one of those moms who can say, oh, pregnancy is so easy for me. And yet I'm not complaining because it was a blessing and I know how hard it is sometimes to get pregnant and how much you can want it. But anyway, I had pregnancy acne and a full-blown toddler at my heels. The thoughts were compounding and it wasn't getting any easier and then we moved out of state. And shortly thereafter, I had my second son and holy macaroni, oh my gosh, my world was rocked again. Anybody who knows me knows I adore these little monkeys with my all, but it just took more than I had to give to be a mother. Well, I did it anyway. I did all that I could and more to be their mother snapping and just screaming sometimes. I slept when I could and my marriage was just exhausted. I went into major emotional debt compounded by sleep loss and lack of any self-care, trying to do it all perfectly, do it all myself, and to pour out onto those around me that which I didn't have for myself. I share this story because it was a pivotal point for me in my life and change. I could either continue to be destroyed by my own thoughts, my assumptions of the thoughts of those around me and those who knew me, or I could change those thoughts and beliefs. I didn't know how, but I was determined. We all have these stories. I know you've been there. It didn't look the same for you, but life isn't easy for any of us that have lived it all. It can be simple, but wow, it is not easy. And for some of us, it's even harder given our maybe lack of awareness or skills or maybe just things you didn't learn as a kid. This doesn't mean that our parents failed us. It just means we all have had different paths and some are more prepared for some experiences than others. We've all been there in some area of our lives. So I tell this story to share with you my heart because on Facebook and Instagram, like so many other women or people in general, I typically presented to the world only the best moments and the best sides and versions of myself. There was deep loneliness when I wasn't sharing the struggles and as I began to open up to friends and allow my vulnerability to actually expose the lies that were going on as this narrative in my head on repeat, I began to realize that I wasn't alone. I began to get to know friends of mine on this new deeper level than I'd ever known friends before and to hear their vulnerabilities and where they felt like they were failing 
And I felt like I could breathe again. I didn't know that other people were facing those struggles as well. I want this to be a place for you to feel like you can breathe again. I want you to know that no matter what it is you feel like you're drowning in internally, that you aren't the first and we're in this together. I want to really do this with you, to encourage you and to wake you up to some paradigm shifting thoughts that I haven't perfected but that have really helped me. Thoughts that have changed and are still working to change my life for the better and I hope they can help you. Wherever you are on your path, whether it's with children, your spouse, your significant other, your friends, your attempts at finding true love, your job, whatever part of your journey, the narrative that's running your life can be changed. To do this, we need to make some fundamental paradigm shifts, the way we think, the ideas, the general ideas. And one of these shifts has been that's been really huge for me has to do with the ideas around judgment. The burden of judgment is something that held me down and crushed me so easily for my whole life. It wasn't until I learned a couple of things that I was able to find real freedom. And sister, this is a journey. I'm not there yet, like I said. I'm still trudging along next to you and will keep on going. First, I learned that we all judge, which we know, but remove the shame from this concept for just a moment. We all judge as a way of processing information. It's a matter of survival. It's the way our brains work. It's also, it's a matter of design. Our brain is literally constantly subjected to input. It can only handle a portion of this input. Our brain has to assess situations, filter out most of what it's being given, but allow certain input. And based on what our brain has already learned, it then decides what input will be let in for processing. And then it needs to make sense of it. It assesses the input and makes judgments in order to know what to do with the information. Our brain is a ridiculously smart computer. It takes what it's given and it acts on it, categorizing and filing information, but it has to judge in order to go forward. Knowing this helps the shift. We are all judging all of the time. Without negative intention, our brains are making sense of the world around us. Our brains are doing the, their best job given the input the brain has and has had and the patterns it's established over the life that we've lived of processing. Knowing this can help in two ways. One, it helps us to realize that we all judge naturally as just a way of processing information and making decisions. It's not just that others are judging me, but that I'm judging others. And two, it's not something to be ashamed of. Bear with me here as there's more to this. Shame never helps us here. We can take responsibility for our judgmental nature and times when maybe it can inflict pain on you or someone else, but separate separate it from shame so that we can make progress and not actually be held back and burdened by shame, unable to see what's going on. Shame says there's something wrong with you. Guilt or responsibility says that wasn't a good choice. So second, I learned something that is very key and until I sat with this one, chewed on it and really let it settle, I couldn't really focus on my internal narrative as much. This is the fact that what other people think of me is not my business. Thank you, Rachel Hollis. Not only is it not my business, but it's not my responsibility or my fault. Let me repeat this for you so hopefully you can allow it to sink in. 
what other people think of you is not your business and it's not your responsibility or your fault. What you think of me matters to you. It doesn't matter to me. The only time when someone else, what someone else thinks of me matters to me is when I already think lowly of myself and I'm looking outside of myself for validation of my worth. This brings me to my third point. This one is critical here. Unless you let these sink in, you'll never really realize that it's what you think of yourself which is driving it all. If you're allowing a negative dialogue to run rampant unchecked in your head, then you will be drowning in life emotionally. Without love and acceptance, we're like a fish out of water. We're like flopping around and dying. I I know that sounds strange, but truly, if we don't love and accept ourselves, whether that comes from inside yourself or starts with God's love for you, then we will constantly be dragged into the enemy narrative, which perpetuates the lie. And you will be driven to find a false love or acceptance from outside yourself. You'll be trying desperately to be what you perceive is good enough on the outside to achieve that acceptance. It sounds easier said than done, maybe, but and frankly, it really is, but it's far from impossible. I have wanted a blog and a podcast for years, like truly so much looked up to particular speakers, bloggers, podcasters, and it was a huge dream for me. And what held me back until recently was this very idea. The idea of putting myself out there and finding rejection. None of us wants to feel rejected, but until I realize that the only opinion that matters for me is what I think of me and what God thinks of me, I was imprisoned by that fear. I realized that I couldn't actually help anybody else with these sometimes debilitating fears until I fully accept what is and let go of other people's opinions. And an interesting thing to this point is that regardless of what other people do or don't think of you, you'll never really know. What matters to you and makes you feel judged is the narrative you allow in your head. And it's empowered by the thoughts you allow to become beliefs, thoughts you allow yourself to agree with. That other person could be admiring your hair or hating it, but if the narration inside of your head, the story being told that you're listening to and believing, says that your hair is beautiful and you're enough regardless of whether you even have hair or not, then it really doesn't matter what they think, does it? There are always two narratives inside. There's your child self and there's the enemy. This is one way of thinking of it anyway. And when we were very young children, we had not yet been so tainted by the ideas of other people's thoughts of us, barring any major trauma, to have negative narratives always working to bring us down. We had dreams and we didn't see why we couldn't achieve them. That's our child self, or maybe we call it our hero, the one that sees who we want to be as who we actually are maybe just covered up and is never living in the past or the future, but in this current, now, here and now, manifestation of love and passion. Then there is a narrative inside each of us that we are battling against, and it's the one that wants to keep us down. A lot of us aren't even aware of this narrative. It's the one that questions our worthiness and rattles our core. 
As we grew up and heard mean things, many of us held on to those lies, and they became a fueling quote for that harmful narrative, the story that we let continue, food to strengthen and reinforce lies that the narrator tells. We reinforce what that story is when we listen to it. Our brain will make assessments based on this pattern of thinking, and it will be perpetuated. It'll continue by the lies, and it will use it against us like evidence in a courtroom that this lie is true. When you drop a glass, a glass of water, the narrator says, see, you're clumsy, your boss was right. But guess what? That free and worthy child is still inside of you and always has been ready to be liberated. The lies are just that, lies. I'm a great mom and you're a great fill in the blank. I'm a completely imperfect mom who messes up and sometimes yells at my kids, says things messy, doesn't hold limits, holds them too strong, doesn't always really listen to their hearts, but I'm still enough. I do my best every moment and choose to feed the narrative that I am enough, that this imperfection is good, that my mistakes are opportunities, and that being perfect is not ideal and that it's not possible, that I love being imperfect. Instead of holding tight to the lies that held me back from writing this blog and recording this podcast for so long, I finally choose to both recognize the truth that this podcast won't be for everyone, that not everyone will love it, that it's that's it's very vulnerable to really put myself out there in this way or in any way that I choose to be authentically me, but that you know what? The risk is so heavily worth the reward and that some people will love it and some people will find the healing and peace and love and empathy they're looking for right here in this risky work. And when we realize that all people judge, that it's not personal at all, it's in within oneself that we judge, it's not even reflective of others, and that it's none of our business what other people think of us, or our fault what they think, or our responsibility what they think of us really, then sunshine, we're free to be that self that is a hero and a beautifully imperfect being of light. This is a huge step to embracing ourselves. It's powerful, and I hope you will move forward with me. So, here are some ways you can try, if you'd like to, to shift toward accepting the idea that other people's opinions of you are not your business or your fault. When you find yourself trapped in a narrative in your head, try not to struggle to control it. Allow that story to be, but try to be like a fly on the wall and listen to that story that's being told. Then welcome the other helper narrative to pipe in, the child, the ally. Allow this helper to talk about these thoughts with the enemy narrative, if you can visualize this. This might not be for everyone. Doing this on paper will be helpful for some people. For me, it is extremely helpful to write it out. So much healing is found in this type of writing that they call contemplative writing. So ask yourself, is the thought helpful or hurtful? Is it about the other people's opinions? If so, remind yourself gently that it's not your business what they think of you. Acknowledge your feelings about the thoughts and then think about what your life would be like if you didn't have that thought. 
Again, journaling can really help for this, uh, writing it out, because a lot of times these thoughts are thoughts you've had since you were a little child. And what I believe is that that child still rests within you. That might sound hippie, but I really believe that. And it helps to give that child a voice. Giving your inner child a voice and acknowledging the feelings that perhaps weren't accepted when you were a child, either by yourself or by others, can be incredibly liberating and healing. And please let the tears come if they start, because that too is both profoundly liberating and healing. When you learn of the thoughts that are limiting you, you can start to consider the idea that thoughts are always a choice. We will go into this in another episode, but for now, let that stew. Thoughts are a choice. They invoke emotion, and then those emotions result in actions aligned with both those thoughts and emotions. It's a cycle. You can also try to meditate. Yes, this can be intimidating for some that haven't tried it, but I promise it's not as tricky as it may seem. Don't try to get rid of the thoughts. Simply sit and listen to them. Practice not allowing them to take you down the rabbit hole, but just hearing them as an outsider if you can. I will be creating some guided meditations on various topics, including this one, soon, and I'll, I'll post. The meditations will be simple in topic, but they'll just be to feed and empower the narrative that actually helps you. Thirdly, you can write down in a journal what you would love to be. What roles would you like to play and how would you like to play those roles? Who is your best version of you? This is not being inauthentic, but rather it's getting to the core of your true being, who you were made to be. Write how that person would be, think, act, and feel. Stop focusing on what you are not doing right and focus on the person you really are. If you can focus on the person buried below all of the self-doubt and fears, you will start to shift the way you think and the way you act little by little, but not until you have a clear vision of how that person thinks, acts, and feels. The more you do this, the more you'll find clarity and freedom. You'll be amazed as you start to find the distance between the thought and the emotional reaction. Really, we can do this together. You've got the sunshine. You are enough. Remember this week that you are enough and try to pay attention to those thoughts. I hope you have a wonderful week full of moments of authenticity where you allow yourself to come out and embrace what makes you wonderfully imperfect. Until next time, this is Holly Ann Casper, the Radical Imperfectionist. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you'd like to stay current on whatever is posted, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can also head over to theradicalimperfectionist.com for other resources. Have a wonderful day.